I want you to get your Bible and turn with me to Daniel, the book of Daniel, chapter 6. We're talking a little bit this morning about habits. Anybody here got any habits? Good or bad. If you have any habits, good or bad, bad, raise your hand. Now, everybody put your hands down and everybody that has really bad habits. Lift. No, I'm just kidding. Bad habits, raise your hand. Everybody else, look. <laughs> it's a safe place. We just want to know that you got bad habits. Somehow it makes us all feel better about ourselves. What is a habit? I got a definition for you. A habit is an acquired mode of behavior. Something that you do so often, you've done it so much that it has actually become involuntary. Become involuntary. You just do this. Whatever this is, you do it so often. You've done it for so long that it has just become involuntary. I want to talk about my habits and my epithet. You know what an epithet is, don't you? You said, yeah, that's kind of morbid. Actually, the definition for that word is it is a word or a phrase that describes a person or a thing. Now, we think of it most of the time uh, taking place at the end of someone's life. But it actually means a word or a phrase that describes a person or a thing. But in light of that, how will you be remembered? Think about that for a minute. What words will be used to describe your life? Better yet, how are you thought of today? Right now, what are people saying about you? And you say, well, people don't talk about me. I promise you, people are talking about you. They're talking about you behind your back. And it's either good or it's bad. When people talk about you, what are they saying? How do they describe you? The answer is this. Your habits or your behavior is how you're known. Let me kind of illustrate that, can I? Maybe someone is just a really cool giving person who cusses like a sailor. And another one is asked to describe that person. What will they probably say about them? Will they say, wow, he is such a giving individual? Or will they say, he's that guy that cusses like a sailor? Because of the negative nature of most people and lights being red instead of green and glasses being half full and or half empty instead of half full, most of us are going to describe each other in the most negative terms that we can think about someone. Who is that guy? I can't think of who you're talking about. Well, he's that fat guy that sits down there around, you know. He's the ball-headed guy. Or she's the ball-headed woman. You know, you just try to cut to the chase. And you say, well, if I try to be kind to talk about somebody, well, she's that really sweet and nice. Well, then it gets, always comes down to, well, what does she look like? Well, she's really kind. She's got an awesome personality. Really friendly. That's not what I said. You're telling me she's that ugly girl, right? We always try to go to that. How am I going to be known? I'm going to tell you, 
that your habits will eventually be the way that people know you. Hmm. Your worst habit is probably your most notable characteristic. Ooh. So the question is, how are you known? Do they know you down there at the school as that really incredible Christian? Or are you the kid that tells the funniest, dirty jokes? How are you known? Because your habits tell others worlds about you. Your habits define your character. They define your authenticity. They define your legacy. What are your habits? Having asked that question, look with me now to Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. Contemporary English version. Here's what it says. Daniel heard about the law. And when he returned home, he went upstairs and he prayed in front of the window that faced Jerusalem. In the same way that he'd always done, he knelt down in prayer three times a day, giving thanks to God. Now, let's break that down. Who is Daniel? Daniel is one of those young men who were the cream of the crop in Jerusalem when Jerusalem was destroyed. Babylon destroyed the city, carried all of the best people and animals and money and all the good things. They took all the good with them back to Babylon. They left just a few of the remnant there to kind of keep things from being overrun by wild animals. Daniel happens to be one of the good guys, and you would know three of the others by their Babylonian names. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That wasn't their names, was it? But that's how you remember them. Because they're the guys that went through the fiery furnace. And he's the one that went through the lion's den. Daniel, we remember him by his Hebrew name. His, his, his uh, Babylonian name was Belteshazzar, wasn't it? These four young men and several others like them were the cream of the crop. They were brought to this foreign, godless, idolatrous nation. Young men, maybe late teens early 20s maybe, with a sentence over their head that must have at times seemed unbearable because God himself had said, because of the sin, you're going to be punished and you're going into captivity for at least 70 years. How many 20-year-olds are in the room today? That means you'll be 90 when you get set free. These young men are living now with this sentence. I may never see my beloved Jerusalem again. I may never go back to my home. I may never see my country. I may never have the opportunity to enjoy what I've known all of my life. Because I've been taken to a place now where that they're not going to put up with all this. And they're tested right away. By food that is brought to them. And Daniel says, hang on a minute, time out. Don't want to get in trouble. Don't want to cause problems. But we can't eat that. Could you put us on pulse and grain and vegetables and fruit and different... Because we can't eat this meat that's been offered to idols. They're doing the best they can, these young men, to try to not fit in, but to make the most of a situation. And very quickly they are rising in the ranks, not just among the other captives, but these four are particularly rising in the ranks even among the natives. Daniel more so than the rest. 
something about the leadership of Daniel. God has called him out and placed something special in his life. In fact, he gave Daniel the ability to interpret dreams and to hear from the only true God. Because in Babylon, they're trying to hear from God from all kinds of ways and all kinds of people. But Daniel proves himself that he actually can hear. In fact, when the king has a dream, he brings in his wise advisors and he says, I'll tell me the meaning of this dream. They said, well, tell us the dream. And he said, no, I'm not going to tell you the dream. You tell me the dream and the meaning. They said, nobody can do that. They bring Daniel in and he does. Told him the dream and the meaning. King says, wow, your God's real. So he's rising up in the ranks. He's becoming known among everyone in that nation as this young man who fears and honors his God. And his God is legit. He's proven it. So, so the guys are trying to figure out how are we going to get rid of Daniel? I mean, because what has happened is the kings decided to put some governors in place. I think there was three or four. You can study it and tell me. Some say four, some say three. Daniel plus three or Daniel plus two, whatever. But there's some other governors being, being put into a position. And Daniel is one of them. And the other two or three are natives of Babylon. And they don't like him because... He is known specifically by the king and well-favored in light. How are we going to get rid of him? And so they said, let's come up with a way. We'll, we'll get the king to make a decree because once the king makes a decree, it cannot be changed. And we'll have the, the king decree that no one pray to any other god except himself for the next 30 days. Now, why would they do that? Because they know Daniel has a habit. That three times every day, Daniel is going to kneel in his room, the window open, facing Jerusalem. Why would he do that? Go back to the time of King Solomon at the dedication of the temple. Solomon prays to God. God, I, I beseech you, I ask you that from now on, wherever your people are spread out, that if they will be humble and get on their knees and face toward the temple... You would answer their prayers. And so there he is in Babylon on his knees three times a day, facing in the direction of Jerusalem, praying, and they knew he would. It was his habit. Look at chapter 6, verse 3. He did his work so much better than the other governors and officials that the king decided to let him govern the whole kingdom. The other men tried to find something wrong with the way Daniel did his work, but they couldn't accuse him of anything wrong because he was honest and faithful and did everything he was supposed to do. So finally they said to one another, we'll never be able to bring any charge against Daniel unless it has to do with his religion. Do people say that of you? Can't think of anything bad about him or her except they really love Jesus. They're devout. Are my habits so worthwhile that the only way people can talk bad about me is to use the good about me against me? Hmm. These guys trapped him by using his own good habits against him. Did it work? No. He goes in the lion's den, but he comes out. His accusers then are thrown back into the lion's den and they die. His habits were his epithet. The question is, what are you known for? Let me, let me give you another illustration of this from Luke chapter 4, verse 16, about Jesus, our Lord. Jesus went back to Nazareth, where he'd been raised up, and notice these words, as 
as usual, he went to the meeting place on the Sabbath. Let me tell you a little bit of something about Jesus. Jesus had some good habits. If you'd have gotten up early one morning and said to somebody, I wonder where Jesus is right now. They would have said, I know where he is. What's he do every morning early before the sun comes up? Anybody know? He's praying. I wonder where Jesus is. I bet he's in prayer because that's what he does every day. If you'd have been wanting to find Jesus on the Sabbath day, you say, I wonder where Jesus is. Somebody said, I know where he is. Guess where? Where's he at on the Sabbath day? That verse just told you. As usual... He's in the synagogue. You say, well, I'm not just coming to church because it's a habit. I'm here because I love Jesus and I'm in a personal relationship with him and I want to be here and this is the day we meet. All of that's awesome and good and that's the right reason for it. But I'll tell you something. It's not a bad idea to make being in God's house when you get a chance a good habit. You won't go wrong by having a habit of being in God's house around his people, involved in his worship, and hearing his word. wonder where else Jesus would be. Middle of the day somewhere. wonder where Jesus, wonder where we could find Jesus today. Well, he's probably somewhere around people doing something that is kind and good because that's what he does. How am I going to be known? How are you going to be known? A fellow named Horace Mann said this, Habit is a cable, and you weave a thread of it every day until at last you can't break it. So your habits either work for you or they work against you. Take any habit you practice, okay? Don't say it out loud, but take any habit that you practice, multiply that by 365 days, then multiply that times 70 or 80 years, and then you can write your own obituary. Do you like what they'd say? Great people have great habits. I was reading up that one uh, about one guy. He's a billionaire, and he he, is, he he arrived at his office every day at eight a.m. That's his habit. A best-selling author. He said he gets up at the same day every day, starts writing at eight a.m., works until four p.m. It's a habit. Never takes a, just doesn't do anything different. It's a habit. Daniel. Praise three times a day, it's a habit. Am I telling you to have to do that? Nope. But I'm telling you it's what he did. It's a habit. Habit is a gift from God. Some of you say, well, no, it's not. No, bad habits aren't a gift from God. Whatever you do with habit is up to you. God created all things. He created all things good. Satan finds a way to distort them, turn them into something bad. So you can make anything that he meant for good bad, and you can take any kind of a, of, a, of, a, of, a, of a positive habit, and then you could decide you want to have a, a negative habit. Some people have taken on some really bad habits over the years, and they're having a hard time breaking them. And I'm going to tell you something, guys. I'm not trying to be unkind to you. I'm not trying to tell you that, that you're a sinner for this. But I'm telling you, if you started smoking smoking cigarettes when you were 15 and you smoke them till you're 75, and then don't come down here and get mad at God when we lay hands and pray for you because you got cancer. Don't get mad at God because he doesn't heal you from your lung cancer. That's a bad habit. And you knew when you started that it was. 
and you held on to it and God still loves you and he's going to give you a new body and he may or may not heal you here. Chances are most of the time he doesn't. He said, I gave you a body. You made a choice. You decided to use the body the way you used it. Wasn't what I intended, but it's what you chose. And that's the way it is. Now, I love you. Hmm? That's tough, isn't it? There's prayer lines all over the place this morning. Be filled with people who have lived their life making bad decisions with bad habits and bad choices. And they're coming down to repent and to get changed and ask God to wipe away any ramifications of that. But the scripture said that the wages of sin is, but the gift of God is, you're going to get paid for everything you do. It's only fair. Our God is a just God. He's not going to let somebody work for something and not get a a wage. You're not going to do anything and not get paid for it. You're either going to get paid something you don't want or something that you really like. But you're going to get paid. So habit is a thing from God. If If you create positive habits in your life, then you're going to like the way your life looks at the end of it and look back over it and not have a lot of regrets. Man, I'm glad that I was in his word every day. Man, I'm glad that I was on my knees every day. Man, I'm glad that I was in his house every week. Man, I'm glad that I served the Lord and tithed and gave and was generous because look what all God's done in my life. Instead of, man, I wish. Don't live your life with regrets. No woulda, coulda, shoulda. Habit can be a tremendous blessing. The good news is that if you establish good habits, you can also delete bad ones. They say if you do something consistently for 21 days or so, you can make it a habit. So it stands to reason to me that not doing something bad for 21 days would make that a habit. So set yourself a goal. You got something going on you don't like? Don't say I'm not going to do it the rest of my life. Set yourself a goal of 21 days and then give yourself a break and try to make it a day at a time. Amen? But once you've tasted the success of of this, it's hard to be satisfied with anything less than good. Look at John 8 and 31. Jesus told the people who had faith in him, listen to this, if you keep on obeying what I have said, you're truly my disciples. Keep on. Some of your translation will say continue in my word. But keep on or continue in my word equals what? Habit. That's habit. Habit can be the secret of true, of true greatness. Frank Clark wrote something that was kind of interesting. He said years ago when, when the western U.S. was being settled, he said roads were often just wagon tracks. And he said these rough trails posed serious problems for the people that journeying on them. He said there was one of those particular winding past that 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 they that a sign was posted that read avoid this rut or you'll be in it for the next 25 miles which ruts in your life are good and which ones are not i have some habits i'm not going to tell you about my bad ones because i don't want you to know tell by looking at me some of them I have a really bad habit about sweets. It's infernal, but but I'll tell you something. I'm establishing a bad habit here that will be a good one in heaven. (laughs) 
You know, I'll be that guy posted up at the marriage supper of the Lamb table. And Jesus is on the white horse. He says, let's go. I'm like, hang on just a minute. I don't want to miss this. Got another habit. Every day, and I'm not saying this to brag because I'm just telling you something that I do. Every morning, I read the verse of the day on Bible Gateway. I've just made it a habit. I could do it anywhere. I got my phone anywhere I'm at, wherever I'm at. If I get a minute someplace, sit down. There I am, and I'm reading the verse of the day. You say, well, that ain't, that's nothing to brag about. I didn't say I was bragging. I'm just saying it's a habit. It's been kind of neat, though. Just that one verse, it confirms a lot of things. He says, is that all you do? Nope. Then I come to the church. I shut my door. And until 10 o'clock, I don't come out. Till 10 o'clock, I'm in there reading the word and I'm praying. And the prayer looks different. It's not always the same. But I'm in there purposely, intentionally saying, Lord, I just, I'm going to be too busy today not to do this. I'm going to need to make decisions today. I'm going to be meeting with people today. I'm going to be going places today. I, it's too important for me to enter into this without doing this for some of you say well i do that at five o'clock in the morning or four o'clock in the morning or six o'clock whenever you do that that's fine that's great that's awesome we're just talking here aren't we there's some days that i miss a day every now and then and i don't beat myself up when i do because what i'm not going to do is turn it into trite and and i'm not just going to turn it into to a a ritual i'm not going to let it be that i'm talking some days i'll read several chapters and someday only one or two someday a few verses because what i'm trying to do is i want to get that word in my heart so i'm going to i'm not just saying i'm going to i'm reading five chapters a day because i got to get to a goal i'm not doing it that way i may not get very far today i may read three or four chapters i may i may only read one but I'm going, I am going to read and I'm going to get, I'm going to absorb. I've read the Bible, I don't say this braggingly, but I've, you have too. I've read the Bible lots of times all the way through. Done it different ways. Right now, it just so happens that the way I'm reading through the scripture is the contemporary English. I've done it in God's Word, I've done it in King James, done it in NIV, whatever. But I'm saying right now, I'm reading it through contemporary English because I read it back and forth and read it different ways and, and commentaries with it. And I just want to, I'm getting the gist of the Word. It's a habit for me, guys. It's a good habit in my life. I've got some bad ones, but that one's a good one. There's an old Spanish proverb that says, habits are first cobwebs, then cables. So I'm just about to get toward the end here, and I know you're thankful. Sometimes I do this thing different ways. I'll give you points and applications, and they get them throughout, and sometimes it's just a theme or a thought. Well, today you're going to get both, but you're getting the points at the end, and they're coming fast. So get your pen and write this down. Some start good habits and break some bad ones. The results of doing so will be the following. If you will break some bad habits and start some good habits, the results will be the following. Number one, a better quality of life. There's some really good habits that every person need to have in their life. Exercise. 
I didn't hear a lot of amen. That's where somebody's supposed to jump up. Those of you in really good cardio shape are supposed to start running around the building and shouting. Amen, pastor, amen. Exercise. To whatever extent you can. I can't do it like I used to. I tried something a couple days ago. What we used to do when I was a little kid, you know, we just stand like that and you bend over and you touch that toe and then you stand up and do it. The bad truth of it is I'm not Gumby anymore. And I can't get from here to that toe without bending my legs now. I'm not proud of it. But I'm still in there three or four days a week. Lifting weights, running, walking, doing whatever I could do. Exercise is a good habit. Reading is a good habit. Hard work is a good habit. Prayer is a good habit. All of those things result in a healthier mind, body, and spirit. You want your mind, your body, and spirit to be strong? How can they be? You say, well, because I asked God to make them that way. And God says, I'll make it that way if you'll do something so I can. People that want their mind to be sharp but won't study are like kids that pray for tests at school. Bring to my mind those things which I have not studied. And God's like, you know, I'm God, but... All of us would love if education were a process of osmosis. Hold the book on your head. Download it. Wouldn't that be nice? And it just doesn't work that way. The second thing that would happen as a result of good habits and breaking bad ones would be a more productive life. Because better habits equal productive, positive time invested in Beneficial causes not wasted foolishly on things that produce few rewards. And the third thing would be a stronger legacy of life. Because you're choosing to do something with your life that's going to leave us better for your having been here, not worse. You know how some people, there's some people that have, have negative experiences with other people in their life that are so bad, so heinous, so terrible that they're glad when those people are gone. Isn't that terrible? But others, when they go, we grieve because we cherish their memories. We, we, can't think about, we can't think of anything negative about them. If you want people to miss you and if, they, if you want them to speak well of you when you're gone, then leave us something to say. Always ask church folks to do that for me because there's a good chance that if I outlive you and you're a part of this church, someday somebody in the family is going to ask me to preach your service. Please give me something good to say. You know what it's like to preach funerals? No? Well, I'm going to tell you something. It's not fun. I've never done one yet that I enjoyed. I don't care if it had been Enoch's. It's still not fun to preach funerals. So at least give me something positive to say. Don't leave me standing up here making up stuff. Well, according to the family, he was all right. Didn't talk to anybody at his job. Heard we'd probably better not. You know, give us something good to say. 
You know, I want to be able to say things like she was a prayer warrior or he was an incredible teacher. But you can't we can't call you a prayer warrior if prayer is not your habit. We can't call you an incredible teacher if study is not your habit. So good habits produce good results. Bad habits are wasted time, life and memories for loved ones. I'm going to conclude with a story about an elderly teacher who took a student on a walk and he pointed out four plants that were close at hand and he said to the student, I want you, we're going to do a little experiment here. And the, the difference in these plants was the first one was just, a, it just was a sprig. It had just sprouted out of the ground. It was just a tender leaf. The second one was that it had pretty well rooted itself into the earth. The third was a small shrub and the fourth was a full-sized tree. And so the tutor said to the, to the student, he said, now, I want you to reach over and pull that first one up out of the ground. And so easily he reached over, two fingers, plucked it right up out of the ground. Nothing to it. He said, do that with the second. So he grabbed the one that was a little bit rooted in, and he tugged a little bit harder, but he pulled it out. Came to the shrug or to the shrub, and he said, now pull that one out. And this time the student had to get both hands and feet, and I mean push and pull, and finally he pulled it out of the ground. And then he said, now wrap your arms around that tree and uproot it. And no matter how hard he tugged or pulled or sweated or hollered or whatever he did, he could not budge that tree. And then he said, son, that's what happens with our habits. Good or bad, that's what they do. That's how they are. It's a whole lot easier to get rid of something that you just started than something you've been doing a long time. Isn't that right? And if you want to establish a good habit, you're going to have to do that for a long time until it becomes involuntary. So now get in your mind for just a minute your habits. Think about what you do. What what would what would you categorize your days to be? Take a good look at all of your habits. Which of the ones are from God? Which ones are your own? Which ones do you need to strengthen? Which ones need to be uprooted? The positive thing about this message is when you decide to uproot, you won't have to do it alone. But you'll have the power of the Holy Spirit to come alongside you and help you pull that thing up. Now, it won't come real easy probably. I've known some people that have said, had a terrible habit. The Lord saved me and immediately he delivered me from that. That's awesome. But for most people, there's a little bit more entailed. But the good news is that the Holy Spirit will help you. You're not going to be on your own. But if you make all of your habits good habits, then you're going to see the growth and the betterment in your life and in the life of all the people that you come in contact with. So I want us just to right there where you're sitting, just close your eyes. And I want you to walk yourself through your typical day. Think about what do you do when you wake up? This says, well, it depends on what cycle of life you're in. If you have little bitty babies, you they wake you up. You don't have time to think about anything. 
think about what you do through your day. What's the most important thing to you when you get up every morning? You jump up and you're brushing your teeth and you're combing your hair. If you're like me, you got to do something with your bangs so they're not down in your eyes all day. What are you doing? What are you doing? Walk yourself through the mornings. What are you having for lunch? Who are you talking to? What are you talking about? What kind of settings do you allow yourself to be in? And where are you going this afternoon? And What are you going to do tonight? Where are you going? Who are you hanging around with? What are you saying? What are you thinking? What are you doing? How many of those things now are you proud of? Hopefully the list of good is far outweighing the bad. But I would say to you that if something predominantly keeps coming up in your mind that's bad, and that's how it is a lot of times, then that's something that really needs to be uprooted. If something's coming up in your mind and you're saying, you know what? I got to quit. I I really got to quit that. I'm destroying my mind and my body and my soul. I'm putting myself in a spot that I can't hear from God the way I want to. I'm damaging the temple that he gave me to use to reach the lost. Nothing good is going to come from this. And God forbid someday I might be known for it. This could be my epithet. This could be my epithet. He was the guy that told good jokes. He was the guy that told lies. She was the one that did this. She was the one that was always in the middle of that. How you want to be known, your habits will determine that. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you right now? Do they know you like they did Daniel? Is the only negative thing they could come up with about you? Well, he serves as God and that's the only thing. We're we're not going to be able to get him for anything. But what do they know about you? What are they saying about you? Or maybe you think that what you're doing is hidden and nobody knows. So they're not saying anything. I'm telling you, eventually it will materialize. Eventually it will become something visual. The scripture said, be sure, be sure your sins will what? find you out I didn't say that the Bible said that's God's word be sure your sins will find you out your bad habits are going to find you out your good habits will find you out too now listen this place is a prayer altar all over this room is a prayer altar Are you ready to start uprooting some bad habits? Are you ready to start some good habits? Either way, I want you to, whatever it is that's that's in your heart, predominantly in your spirit, that the Holy Spirit is saying to you right now, get up from your seat and come to these altars. Kneel around these seats or walk around this room, whatever, but make a move of some sort. Get up and acknowledge that the word is alive and working in your spirit. Well, you could just sit right where you're at and pray. But I'm telling you, this is an opportunity for I'm giving you a chance to act upon the word today, to get up and move and to say, I'm going to go down and lay something on that altar. I'm going to walk around this room and tell God what's in my heart. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to help me today. How many of you will come? How many of you will come and say, this is my word. This is my word. 
I've got to, I've got to be freed from some bad things. And I've got to ask God to help me establish some good things. Come on. Come on. Neil's going to lead us.